Texas. It's so good to be back. Oh, Maggie and Pete, thanks for coming. I give you guys permission to get wrecked as I'm sharing. If you want to come to the front, if you feel like there's a response God has for you in the middle of this time, there's space. We're here to encounter more of Jesus and to love him with our whole hearts. And wow. And I, I remember being here two years ago. It was so special. So special. And I love you guys, Dan and Kaylee, and what you're cultivating here. And John and Leah and just the whole crew. It's just so special what God is doing and who he is bringing here. Um, this is kind of an emotional moment for me because I've been, I've been traveling since January 2nd around the world, literally. Australia, Germany, Switzerland, Belgium, um, England, Norway, Czech Republic. And then when I came back, I did a couple meetings in California, and then I went to the East Coast, Virginia, three different cities, Mississippi. And this is literally the last meeting I'm doing on my international national tour um, before returning to whatever the Lord has for me next. But um, so that's like three and a half months, and this is literally the last meeting I've done. <laughs> 20, 30 plus meetings in the nations and seeing God move in a very special, significant way. And there's always something significant for me about firsts and lasts. Wow. And when I was in Norway, that was my, it was a random kind of last minute trip, kind of like Texas was. And I remember in Norway, the last meeting I was there and I just prayed, I'm like, God, you've done so much, but can't this be the cherry on top? Can't you do more in this meeting than you've done all that I've seen? Because we go from glory to glory, and I'm like, okay, Texas. <laughs> Why can't, now this is literally the end end. Like that was the end of the international part. This is the end of the whole world tour. This is the meeting. <laughs> of all that God has done in Germany when I was speaking at a school of ministry and as we were waiting on the Holy Spirit, God was calling out reformers. Not revivalists, reformers, which is different. And the fire of God began to fall on people and then I started prophesying over my translator. She goes out. Someone else comes to grab the microphone to try and translate for me. She goes out and it's just wild, but it was this, this move of God. Right, And then I go to Switzerland and grab the hungriest of the hungry. And we're just worshiping in a room and just this passion. I go to Belgium and there's so much hunger. These leaders want an Italian couple that lead an Italian church. They don't even speak English, but they were hungry. Wow. And they came and they got wrecked. Wow. You know, and then I just see God move in the nations. And then I come to Virginia and I see among the youth, the last, okay, there's something about last. This was my last meeting in Fredericksburg. I was there doing a bunch of meetings and the last meeting was the youth group. I was tired and I didn't know what I was gonna share. I asked the youth leader, what, what do you think God's doing? He's like, share whatever you want. I'm like, great, I don't know. So I'll just be in worship and hopefully God will give it to me and in worship, of course, he downloads it. And they're kind of like scattered, the, the youth. And I'm like, and I never done this before. I'm like, hey, guys, in the beginning, why don't you come up to the front and sit up on the floor? We're going to gather like around a campfire, but we're going to gather around the fire of the, of the Lord. And so they came up and they're all like up in the front. And then I said, okay, we're going to tell Holy Ghost stories. And then I start sharing about the Azusa Street Revival, which was a revival that was birthed when a handful of people hungry for more of God met in a house on Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles. Their only agenda was Jesus for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism of fire. William J. Seymour, one-eyed African-American man, son of slaves, was preaching this before he even encountered God with a fresh baptism and the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And then the fire of God falls and this beautiful woman falls to the ground, speak, gets up speaking tongues, goes up to the keyboard and starts playing in the anointing even though she'd never played in her life. And then revival breaks out. Less than a week later, they move to a church on Azusa Street and a lot of us are impacted by what was birthed from a small group 
the hungry people. When I went to the nations, I'm like, I just want to find the hungry. I don't care how big or small it is, if it's a handful of people in the house, I just want the hungry. I just want to be with the hungry people. Because that's where the fires are. And then I shared about the Welsh revival and how it was this girl named, teenager girl named Flory Evans who got up in a youth meeting and said, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. And that declaration of love and passion for Jesus is what catalyzed the Welsh revival. Later, there's impartation for a man named Evan Roberts. In less than four months, 100,000 people got saved. <laughs> revival spread because of a passion. I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. We want revival? We need to fall in love with Jesus. That's it. That is revival. Peter didn't do the impossible to have a great testimony. He had to be with Jesus. He was in love with Jesus. And even if it looked like he being in a storm, he had to be near Jesus. Because as long as he's with Jesus, everything's okay. Revival. If we want revival, if we want reformation, it's literally throwing everything aside and running after the one thing. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So I shared about that. And then I shared about my miracle flight story. I may have shared that here last time. Um, but I basically, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. It could be a whole sermon. But I showed up to the airport by faith from um, Reading, drove down to San Francisco, by faith that I get to my friend's wedding in England. And at the airport, all this breakthrough happened, and I was able to get on a flight wow. and visit my friend. And it was very special. So I'm sharing all these stories with this youth group. And just seeing God begin to touch this, this youth group. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And at the end... I had them all stand up and we just released a fresh kind of consecration baptism of fire. But there was this weightiness in the room and I just felt like I wanted to open up the microphone to give them space to have a voice. And so a few people came up and shared what they felt God was doing. And then one girl comes up with tears and says, God, I just, I don't have much, but I just give you my weak yes. I just give you my weak yes. And then I knew in that moment, that's what, God was doing, and so I, I said, okay, guys, this is like a moment where the line is drawn in the sand. There's no going back, so don't come up here unless you're serious. What we're going to do right now is I'm going to leave the microphone open, and as you feel led, those who are ready to give a fresh yes to Jesus, come up, and all you have to do is say yes. I give you my yes. That's it. You don't need to share anything else, but, but when you do it, something's going to shift. It's a prophetic act. It's a declaration. And these are Christians. These are already Christians, right? They're already Christians. And so we did that. And one by one, they're standing there. And they're weeping. They're looking. And after someone says yes, people pray for them. And they just get wrecked. But they're not coming up quickly. They are thinking about this decision. They're thinking about the cost. Because they know if they come up and say yes, it's going to look, their life will look different. It was a steeper yes that there was literally no going back. And so one by one, they come up and they just, I give you my yes. And even the ones that were kind of like on their phones, like would have been if they would have been in the back and kind of like more just just there for fun or whatever, they were getting wrecked. And even ones that didn't come up, God was marking them in a very special way. And I'm just watching this and I'm like, just trying to stay out of the way because God's doing something significant. And I'm just getting wrecked watching all these. And I'm like, wonder what is going to happen after these yeses. Next 20, 40 years, they're going to look back to this one moment in time where they said, I'm all in. From that one yes. Come on. Come on, girl. She's all in. She's all in. What's your name? Danielle. Come on. Have you been all in before? Okay. Okay. So this is your this is your day, girl. This is her day. She says she's not been all in all the way. So this is her
of I, I know Jesus, I have a one-way ticket to heaven too. I'm all in, I'm leaving everything to follow you. I don't care, I don't, I don't care what the cost is. There's no, there's no going back. There's no going back. There's no going back. So as they're coming up and they're giving their yes, Right? Someone else needs to grab the microphone for me. That's, that's okay. It's okay. You know, when God moves, you make space. You got to make space. And they're coming up and they're giving their yes. And then they're just, they're just, they're, they're not coming up quickly. Like, I don't know if you've seen youth group, like high school. They were not coming up quickly. They were counting the cost. They were thinking about it. They're like, if this is a decision I'm making, I know it's going to change the rest of my life. And so one by one, they say, I, I give you my yes. I give you my yes. And we were supposed to end around 8. And uh, now it's like 9 o'clock. And they're still getting touched by the Lord. A few of the moms came in the back, and they're seeing what God's doing. And they're getting wrecked in the back. And then, you know, around 9.30, one of the girls that gave her yes came up to the piano, the keyboard. Never done that before. And starts singing in between tears worshiping God. I love you, Jesus. And then prophesying, they're about to go up to the Middle East on a ministry trip, and she's prophesying over the sons and daughters of the Middle East and how God loves them. She's just crying. And then this other girl starts dancing, and she hadn't danced in a year. And she's just dancing. And the moms of the girls are in the back just getting wrecked. And, and I'm just watching this, and I'm, I'm watching this move of God unfold before my eyes and this, this moment, you know, like those moments that you just will never forget for the rest of your life. Like like this moment, right? This moment where God just crashes in and and just does whatever he wants and and then it kept going. And then it was eleven o'clock and me and my friend had to go. So we left and we found out they stayed worshiping till one in the morning. And our lives were marked and moved and it it was, this is like two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, guys. This is like East Coast. This is what God's doing. But I, but I say some of these stories because I saw the same thing in California in a house group of all these hungry people. I'm seeing stuff I've never seen before. And I feel like that revival that's been prophesied, that billion soul harvest, I feel like it's already begun. I feel like we're at the, we're, we're at the beginning part of the wave. And especially here, I asked Dan what kind of church this is. I'm like, is it, is it? We're, he's like, no, this is leaders. This is revivalists. These are people that are going to change the world. I'm like, that's my favorite type of people. So that's what I'm talking to you as, as leaders who are going to carry this. But I feel like what I've experienced around the world, I've, I've experienced stuff that I've, I'm seeing in a greater measure than I have before. And what, it, what I feel like God is doing right now is this next billion soul harvest, this next massive revival is already coming. It's already upon us. But he's consecrating the Christians. What he's doing is he's setting aside the Christians to carry the fire and to be in perfect alignment with heaven. So they're not carrying things. They're not called to carry in this season. They're not investing their lives or minds into things that are not there. He's calling us up to a greater plumb line, to a highway of holiness. He's, he's realigning us. He's moving people around like on a chessboard, getting ready for his next big move of God. So many people are getting uprooted from where they've been. And God's about to replant them somewhere because he's positioning people to be exactly where they need to be so they can receive and steward and be the net to carry what he's about to pour out in a greater measure. But it's this call. There's this call for Christians in this season for greater consecration to the one thing, to Jesus, but also to Ephesians 2.10, the assignments he's prepared beforehand for us to walk into. 
because, and this is the word I was praying for you guys this morning. If Martin Luther King Jr. Um, didn't let go of the church he was leading, he wouldn't have led a civil rights movement. You know, so some things we're called to carry one season are great, but if we try to keep carrying that when God's leading us into something else, it's going to hold us back from our destiny. And I feel like that's the shift. That's my heart for you here today is that this would become like a furnace of fire and that every single thing that is contrary to God's heart for you in this season would be burned away. The gold would raise that there would be perfect alignment over. We just don't have any time to waste with carrying things we're not called to carry, with carrying past season stuff, with carrying things, you know, so, so it's, it's important. It's really important that we're giving ourselves fully to what God has called us to in this season. Yes. And yes. living in the fire. Because you're, you're so important to what God's pouring out. And you need to be carrying the things he's called you to carry. Aren't you, today's Palm Sunday, aren't you guys glad that Jesus said yes to his assignment? Yes. That he didn't worry about carrying other people's assignments? Yeah. So good. You know, today's the day where there was, basically he told his disciples, I mean, it would be equivalent to stealing a brand new car. He said, hey, go get that colt untie the colts and bring it over here, you know, and, and to give them a prophetic word that I need it. And they did, and they got, the colt was released. And all these people are praising Jesus. They're praising Jesus. They're praising Jesus. And then, this is like today, like this week, we're heading into Easter. We're heading into Resur Resurrection Sunday. And then not long after, as we approach, you know, Friday and what happens, this is what happens next after people are praising him. It says, when Pilate realized that a riot was about to break out and it was useless to try and reason with the crowd, he washed his hands in front of the people and said, I'm innocent of the blood of this righteous man. The responsibility for his death is now yours because they all shouted earlier, crucify him, crucify him. The same ones that were saying, praise him, praise him. They're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And the crowd replied, let his blood be upon us and our children. So they released Barabbas to the people and ordered Jesus to be beaten with a whip made of leather straps embedded with metal and afterward to be crucified. Beaten and then whipped. The whip had metal on its straps. So when the whip hit his back, it had hooks and it got in his skin and then they ripped it down. And then they took him to the military compound where there were 600 soldiers surrounding him. They stripped him off of his clothing and they placed a scarlet robe on him to make fun of him. They braided a crown of thorns and set it on his head. After placing a reed staff in his right hand, they knelt down before him and irreverently mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spit in his face and they took the reed staff from his hand and hit him repeatedly on his head, driving the crown of thorns deep into his brow. When they finished ridiculing him, they, they took off the scarlet robe and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. For the joy that was set before, that was each one of us that you said yes to endure such pain and agony. God, we say thank you. For the price that you already paid for us. God, let us live worthy of the cost and the price that's already been paid for us. Jesus, thank you that you said yes to your assignment. Thank you that you said yes to come as a vulnerable baby, to live 30 years of normal life even though you were the son of God. And three years of miracles, but also pain and suffering to say yes to take that cross. God, we say thank you. But the cost 
become more real in our lives. Let the value that you place on us become more real. Jesus, we say thank you that you said yes. That you said yes to the Father, but also that you said yes to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you said yes to me. Thank you, Jesus. as you walked towards your death on the cross you were full of joy because you had us in your mind yes, God. Yes, yes. I thank you that your love for us motivated you to walk through death Jesus in light of the price that's already been paid. God, let today be a fresh yes from each one of us. Yes. Yes. Let today be a fresh yes. Just welcome your fire right now over our hearts and our lives. Lord, we give you permission to burn away anything that is not of you, even the good things, anything that is not of you for this season. We give you permission. We trust you. But we ask that you would come and burn. Refine the gold. Refine the gold, God. God, we give you permission to rearrange our priorities, to rearrange our agenda, to rearrange our schedules. God, we give you permission. We give you permission, God, whatever it looks like. We give you permission. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place, in this time. And ask that you'd move, continue to move however you want to move. Just increase your presence in our hearts, God. Increase your presence. We're not here to play church. We're here because we must have more of you. Yes. Yes. We must have more of you, God, to do all the things you've called us to do, to be the people you've called us to be, God. I can't do it on my own. I can't do a thing on my own. Lord, I need your fire. I need your transformation, God. I need a passion for you. It's you that draws us. It's you that makes us hungry. So, God, I just say, come. God, just increase the fire of God in this place. Increase the fire of God in this room. God, that every single person in this room, I declare, would not leave this room until their life is in perfect alignment with heaven. Perfect alignment with heaven. That's what I declare over each person in this room. That that there would be like a like a holy chiropractic just alignment taking place today. That we would give ourselves fully to the things that we are born for. That you've put inside of us as we keep our eyes on you, Jesus. And so, God, we give you permission to strip things away. We give you permission to take things away that are hard for us to surrender. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust that you are for us. And that you are working behind the scenes on our behalf no matter what it looks like. We believe the promises in Romans 8. 
that nothing can separate us from your love. And that if you didn't even spare your own son, how can you not also give us all thanks, God? So Lord, I thank you for a greater trust in a bigger God than we've ever known. Regardless of if we know the answers or not, God, we put all of our hope and all of our trust in you. You are our peace, not the circumstances turning out, not the breakthrough. If we have no other breakthroughs, the rest of our lives, we say it's still worth it to give everything to you, Jesus, because you gave us everything. You're so worth it, Jesus. You're so worth it, Jesus. You don't owe us a thing. You've given us everything. And so we say, God, come with a fresh fire today. Come with a fresh fire. Consume us, God. Let us be willing sacrifices placed upon the altar, God, and send your fire, God. We want to be living sacrifices, pleasing to you, pleasing to you, pleasing to you. So come right now with your fire. Come right now with your fire over people's minds, God, over their thinking. I pray that the mind of Christ would come. I just see like crowns and fire over people's heads, like in a circle. And I feel like God is beginning to um, rewire some of your brains and to uproot wrong thinking, wrong perspective. He's putting a crown, he's putting a crown of, not a crown of thorns, but like a crown of fire upon upon hearts and upon lives and upon minds. So God, we say come. We say come. We say that you are welcome in this place. I see you'd increase your presence in this room. We just fix our eyes upon you. We're not in a rush, God. We're not in a hurry. We make space for you. And we welcome you. We invite you to come. We invite you to come. You're you're at the door and you're knocking, and that was for Christians. And we say, come on in. You can come in any single, any and every room of my heart, even those closets where things are shameful god you can come and take the shame you can come and bring your light in the darkest places god you can come we say that we welcome you to come and inhabit us we give you permission to walk through the walls of our hearts today we give you permission to tear down the walls of the fence the bitterness of unforgiveness and disappointment, we say that you can come and tear those walls down and come on in. We don't want to hold you out. We don't want to hold you back by having anything in our lives that would hinder a perfect, beautiful connection with you. So we just say anything at all in our lives that would hinder us from perfect union with you, Jesus, you can have it. We just want you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. So come like there's no tomorrow. Come, Jesus.
just want to probably just say yes to the Lord again and uh, just try to do better for him. So. Amen. Come on. Say yes and amen to the, the plans that God has for you to keep your eyes on him, to run and not look back, and for this to be a marking moment in your life. In Jesus' name, yeah, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to say yes to Jesus and give my complete life to him. Give my complete yes to Jesus. declaration of a yes and we declare that he will not look back that he will keep his eyes on you that he will be a man who walks in holiness all the days of his life and we bless what you're doing in his life today in Jesus name. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. 
have permission to get wrecked. You have permission to interrupt me if if there's a burden in one of your hearts to say yes, but I'm going to, I did have a message I'm going to try to share with you a word, but but also want to give you permission to, uh, if, if you feel a burning inside of you where you have to say yes, feel free to come in and interrupt me. Feel free to come to the front. Feel free to come on your knees. Feel free to respond however you want. But the word I feel uh, strongly for 2019, the word I feel I've been living, as a living message, what God has been doing in my life is, is Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we just heard the price that's already been paid for us. And in, in Hebrews 11, it's a, a story of all these people who have given their lives for Jesus. The word witnesses actually comes from the word for martyr. So there's people that have literally died and paid a price for us to have the freedom we're in right now. If you become a Christian in another nation and you say yes in another nation, you're saying yes to either being killed or having your family disown you or being completely outcast. We can be kind of comfortable Christians in, in the United States now, but other nations don't have that liberty. Once you say in, you are all in and there's no turning back. And so in light of what Jesus has done, in light of the price that other people have paid, paid for us and paid for us. Let us throw aside everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And this is the main heart. I feel like this is the season we're in that we are called to throw off everything that hinders, even the good things. Some of us are still wearing a winter coat and the season has changed. <laughs> That's going to slow us down. In the winter, we needed it, and it looked really good on us, and it felt really good. We were styling, but if we're still wearing that winter coat, and now it's summer, we're not going to be able to run the race God has set before us. Or if someone else gave us a coat that they wanted to bless us with, and said, so that, that looks really good on you, that color. I think, I think that fits you. I think it's a good fit for you. But you realize this isn't what I'm born to wear. This isn't the season I'm born to wear. But if I'm too afraid to say no and disappoint somebody and I, I end up wearing their coat or wearing what they're called to carry, it's going to hold me back from carrying what I'm called to carry in this season. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before endured the cross and despised the shame. I was traveling around the world last summer and I got a message that the house I was living in, they were actually moving to Texas and I would have to move out shortly after I came back because they were leaving. And not long before that, God had asked me to let go of the house we used for Destiny House, um, which was pretty much a death to my soul because I had paid a price for it. But when it's the Lord inviting you to lay something down, you just have to trust him and say yes. So when I'm traveling last summer, I find out when I'm in Mozambique or somewhere that actually YWAM took over the house we let go of, which is amazing. So now worship and family has missions built on top of it. And it was a massive surrender thing, completely trusting the Lord and he took over. But also I'm traveling and I'm like, oh, I have to move out now. I, I don't know where I'm going to live. You know, I'm living in Reading for seven years, and and then I already planned a trip to Maui because I love to surf. And it's so good to follow your heart. You know, all of us have different passions. God put those in us. He loves it when we have fun. He loves it when we enjoy our lives. And, and I needed rest. I've been running hard for seven years. I needed a break. You know, I needed a Sabbath. The seventh year is rest. And so I was going to go to Maui for two weeks to a month, and and just rest. And so I ended up deciding, okay, I'm going to, I have two weeks, I'm going to move out of both houses and get everything kind of squared away so I can go on a one-way ticket to Maui and then take my time before rushing back. And I already had planned to teach at the school ministry, two classes. I already planned YWAM. So basically my, my October was packed with like ministry stuff, but I'm like, okay, it's July. I'm just going to rest and then come back in a, 
in about a month and then do some writing and then dive into the new season, the new year. And as I'm my second week in Maui, the fires hit Reading. I don't know if you guys heard this past year. This It was horrible. I mean, I was away from my people and my friends and my family and all my friends are getting evacuated. The first thing I wanted to do was go back just because I, I wanted to be with my friends, but then it just didn't make sense because everyone was leaving anyway. And so I'm in Hawaii and my spirit is disrupted because it's it's really sad to watch the news and talk to your friends and they're all, houses are burning down and lives are, you know, it's very a hard thing. But I ended up staying a little bit. And then when it was time to think about going back, I had basically the month of August kind of off before I was going to dive in back to ministry. And now since the fires came in Reading, there wasn't any place for me to come back to. I didn't have any open door, any room, any place to stay. And Maui, people were like, Jen, stay here. Here's an extra room. Here's, a, here's an apartment you can borrow. And I called my friends in Reading, and they're like, Jen, don't come back. It's miserable. We can't even go outside our house. We have to be inside. We're breathing in smoke. It's just not a fun environment um, to be in. Just wait. And I'm like, well, I have a month off anyway. I might as well just be in Maui where I can surf and get the clean air and enjoy life before going back to Reading. And God's just doing some deep things in my heart. I've been running hard for seven years, running after the Lord, running hard, giving my life to ministry, giving my life to Destiny House and seeing God move. And, and then it, it, it gets to be um, close to, I think it was uh, end of August, and it's about time for me to transition to come back to my life, right? I did seven years. Um, but things are shifting. Have you guys ever been in a situation where you have a nice little nest that you've had? You're nice and cozy and comfortable, and yeah. it feels so good, and it's so good, and it is so good for a season. And then all of a sudden, the mama bird, your mama, just starts to tear apart the nest that you're so comfortable in. And it felt like God was disrupting my little nest and tearing it apart so he could teach me to fly. Force me to fly, because I didn't want to let go of my nice little nest. Because that was such a very special and tender season. But now I'm in Maui and thinking of coming back to Reading and thinking of my, my month of October's packed. I'd be doing YWAM, two, two or three YWAM schools, two classes, it'd be some stuff I love that I felt really born for in one season, assignment one season, but in this season of my life, I'm like, well, I could do that or I could not do that. It's not like an assignment I feel born for. I feel like I've done it before and it's been good and it will bless people. But I had this meeting in November in Virginia that I knew was a clear yes assignment from the Lord that I was born for. And as I'm thinking of going back in October, I still don't have a place to stay in Reading. I'm like, I'll be a month in October running around like a crazy person, teaching, doing all this, sleeping on someone's floor, and tired and exhausted. And I'm like, what would it look like to enter into my yes assignment rested for Virginia? Yeah. I'm like, what would that look like? Because the other stuff was good. Don't get me wrong. It's all good. But it was something I was born for in a past season. It was something I could do or not do. And I struggled, I struggled. When I make a commitment, I follow through. I don't ever flake. I mean, if I give my word, my word's my honor. I just don't, I don't change plans. If I make a plan, I'm there. That's just kind of how I am. And I don't want to disappoint people, let people down. But I feel like my heart, my heart is needing rest. I'm not ready to dive into that lifestyle. It's also finances, because it's a job. So I'm like, okay, do I choose to go back to Reading, run around, keep my commitments, honor people or do I choose to like take care of my heart for the first time in many years because I'd lost Jen in the midst of ministry I'd given my life to ministry and I forgot about my own heart and so I struggled with it and I knew this decision would impact the next 40 years of my life I can't tell you how I knew that but I knew this decision right this decision, this decision, this decision has just impacted the next 40 plus years of your life from that one act of courage. Like there's these moments, right? And I knew it was this moment. And so I called a spiritual mom. I called my spiritual father who actually runs a school ministry. I just felt like I need to stay because I knew God was shifting me into a new season. And if I went back, 
I knew I would just get back into the cycle of life that I had been doing for the last five, six, seven years, and I knew God was inviting me into something new. So I needed that extra month, because if I went back after two months, I would have just been teaching school ministry, doing the same stuff, being there when God's saying, no, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you to the nations. I had to let go, so I started calling people, and I said, I'm sorry, I'm not coming back to teach at your school ministry. I'm sorry, I'm not coming to teach at your YWAM school. I just feel like my heart needs more rest, and I'm gonna take care of my heart in this season. I'm really sorry. And that's hard, right? There's always a cost. There's a cost. I'm like, are they ever gonna invite me to speak again? Are they ever gonna, are they gonna mar my reputation, Jen's a flake? You know, whatever, there's a cost, but I'm like, I need to fight for my heart. I need to say yes to what my heart needs in the season. And so I said, no, I stayed an extra month in Maui. Best decision of my life. That was the decision I needed to shift me from my season in Reading and let go. And so I come back. I go pretty much straight to Virginia to my clear assignment. Yes, I see God move. I see a move of God, another move of God. It was, an, I'll just tell you real quick what, what I saw. I had no idea where I was going because I was in Maui, like just resting for a season. But I go to my clear yes assignment and, and I'm, First, I think I'm going to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I tell my friends on my newsletter, I'm going there. And then the girl that invited me says, Jen, you know you're going to Charlottesville, Virginia, right? <laughs> I had no idea, because I'm just like in, in a sabbatical season. So I go there, and I feel to release the Azusa Street story, right? And there's a picture in the back of the color line was washed away in the blood. There's African-Americans and white people unified under God going after revival together. And I didn't even get a chance to talk a lot about it, but that picture was there. And then as I'm praying, this is a women's conference, mostly white people, right? And there's just a handful of African-Americans. As I'm praying, I see God literally visibly fall upon the African-Americans and they're more than the others. So everyone I was drawn to pray for was black. And I'm praying for them and I'm seeing God touch their lives. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Like something's happening. And I'm like, I've never done this before. Can I get all the African-Americans to come to the front? And there's like six or seven, right? In the midst of a bunch of white, white girls. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like God is highlighting you and he wants to honor you. So I gave him the microphone and I said, this is your time. Whatever you want to share, share. God wants to honor your voice. One by one, they got the microphone, and one cried and said, this is huge because I almost didn't come here because of the racism here, and I didn't know if someone would beat me up. I couldn't even stop this. And then they're just crying, and we're around them, and it's just like this moment, this move of God, like this tangible move of God that we're experiencing, and it's just so special. And then I didn't realize till later when we were about to go to dinner after, my friend's like, Jen, that was really cool that you did that because you know where we're at, right? I'm like, no, I have no idea. I thought it was gonna be North Carolina. Like I literally, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll know where I'm going. I'll study the city and I'll bring the revival history of the city. But this time God, for whatever reason, didn't want me to know where I was at. And then she says, yeah, Jen, this is Charlottesville. A year ago, around the same time, was when all the white supremacists came in and basically came and just brought hatred to our, our town and, and it was racist and all this stuff. And someone actually got killed when they, they drove the car into a group of people. And this is about the same time of the anniversary. And I'm like, what? What? This is where I'm at? I had no idea. Like God made me, you know, hid it from me. For re and then in the back, there's Azusa Street Revival. Black and white people unified under the blood of Christ. And I'm actually seeing that happen in that moment. And it was powerful and profound. And then that night, one of the girls, like, I'm supposed to fly back to Reading that next morning. And I'm supposed to do another intensive class at the School of Ministry that Friday. But God's doing something, right? This is my yes assignment. And, and, I'm, and someone's like, Jen, do you want to stay with me? Stay longer. Here, and she shows me a picture of her house. And it's beautiful. And I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. And I have to make a decision soon because if I don't go back, I'm missing, you know, some stuff. And, and, uh, and I end up deciding last minute. I'm like, okay, I feel God's doing something because of what happened. I need to stay. I need to share the Azusa story with them. We need to continue doing revival meetings here. So I ended up staying again. I wanted, remember, I wanted to go back to Reading to follow another commitment I had. I didn't want to let go of this season 
that was such a gold season for me. It was such a comfortable season. It was such a blessed season. But God was saying, I have something new for you. And so I, I, I struggled. I called my spiritual father who runs the school ministry. I would have honored him if he wanted me to come back. And I almost switched and came back. But he said, no, what did God tell you in Maui? And I said, he said, I would show up places. I would speak. God would move and I would extend my ticket. I would extend and I would stay and see God continue. And I didn't think it was going to happen that quick. So I stayed. We did a, another couple revival meetings, saw God, Mark, move. And then one guy heard I was in town. He rearranged his whole church service because he wanted me to speak, and he was excited. It was like when I came, he just felt like God was so on it, like revival came to town. He was hungry for what God was doing. So he gets his, he rearranges his services to have me speak, and I, he's like sitting on the edge of his seat. He's like hanging on every word, and there's so much hunger. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, if I went back to Reading, like that would have been nice. 70 people would have been touched or whoever signed up for that class. But if I didn't, they're not going to miss me because there's so many more anointed people there. It's, it's so saturated with that. But over here in Virginia, they're hungry. They're desperate. They don't have what they have over there. And I'm like, I can't keep this for myself anymore. I can't keep this for myself. And that marked me. It said, I need to go to the nations. I need to find the hungriest of the hungry. I need to go and bring what God has done in my life to people that are desperate, that don't, don't have access to what they have access over there. And it marked me. And it really helped me let go. And then January 2nd, I went to Australia, ended up extending that trip um, to end up doing a little bit more surfing at the end of a, a ministry trip to the Aboriginals. And then I went straight from there to Germany. I landed in Germany with my flip-flops and a blue jeans. My mom shipped a coat and my shoes to me, so I had that. And then ended up just doing this revival tour and seeing God move like crazy and finding the hungriest of the hungry. But I wouldn't be here today if I would have said in that one moment in Maui, I'm going to go back and fulfill my commitments. Sometimes it's more important to honor the Holy Spirit, even if it means dishonoring people we love. Like I needed to let go of that season. I did not want to let go of it. it and just because I'm letting go doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that season. That was a gift for that season. But when God says, hey, I'm bringing you in some more, and it looks different, we have to let go. Some of the things I've been able to see, it's, it's incredible. And, like, and I didn't even have a call of God to go to the nations. It just says, ask me for the nations as your inheritance, and I'll give it to you. And I'm like, God, I want the nations. And then all these doors opened up. Other countries opened up. And, like, to have that opportunity, I, if I would have stayed in something that was comfortable, that was a good, really good fit for one season, when God was saying, you need to let go of that, I'm bringing you there, I, I would be, I don't know where I would be right now. I definitely would not be here. I would not have gone to the nations. So when it says, let us throw aside everything that hinders, some of us in this room, are carrying too many good things. You don't have room to carry the best. There's one thing each of us are born for. That we will give our lives for, that we are passionate for. We need to make sure we're not carrying excess baggage that's going to hold us back from going after Jesus and everything he's called us to in the season. Let us throw off everything that hinders and this sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Perseverance. 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 It takes time. We're praying right now. Uh, one of my heroes, Heidi Baker, she had a, a dream, maybe. 16 years ago, I don't know when it was, to do a university in Mozambique. So she started with a kindergarten. And the next year, she started with a first grade, second grade, third grade, as it goes on. And now they're literally very close to birthing 
uh, university in Mozambique. Um, and you can pray for that, because we just need a couple more um, meetings with the government to get it through. But it didn't happen overnight. You know, she took the first step, which was kindergarten, then first grade. So we're called to run a race with endurance. And a lot of people want a quick, God didn't meet me, he didn't answer my prayer, I give up. No. You know, the longer we wait for something, the greater the promise, the greater fulfillment is going to be. She had a call to Africa, England, and Asia when she was a teenager. It took 20 years to first set foot in Mozambique, the land of now her inheritance and what God is doing. If you don't know, she's got orphanages and churches and doing a million things, but it took 20 years. So some of you are waiting on promises of God in this room, and you're frustrated and you're disappointed. I want to encourage you, the longer the wait, the greater the fulfillment is going to be. So we need to run with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He has not forgotten you. He's not forgotten the dreams he put in you. He is working behind the scenes even now. And our, our eyes need to be fixed on him. We need to the, run the race set before us. I can't, you know, Pastor Dan, he does a great job of stewarding what God's doing here. This is his call and assignment. I can't look at him and say, oh my gosh, look at his life. I'm so jealous. I need to like shift my life to look exactly like his. I need to run my race, right? He needs to run his race. And I don't need to compare. I don't need to be jealous. I need to champion my brother in Christ to run after the race God set before him. Some of us are called to be our single mothers and we're called to raise up that child under the Lord. And that is our call and commission in this season. We need to champion each other no matter what it looks like. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have assignments, Ephesians 2.10. We have assignments that are waiting for us. Waiting for us. It's not striving. It's not making it happen. It's hanging out in the presence of God, being in the glory, and then just being obedient. Being go, yielded. You mentioned yielded. All we have to do is hang out in the presence, wait on the Holy Spirit, and then just say yes. To the smallest things because those smallest yeses that small yes in maui look shifted the next 40 years of my life one small act of obedience one yes right one yes we don't know what one yes is gonna do for generations yeah. <clears throat> so i feel it's a call to keep our eyes on jesus but we need to really in a serious soberness we really need to give ourselves to the assignments god has given us because if you don't do the assignment god's given you something's missing in this church in this world in this body yeah. and to do the assignments a lot of times we have to let go of other things we're carrying even though they're good we might need to disappoint people we need to not carry other people's baggage we need to carry what we're called to carry when we carry what we're called to carry it's not heavy it's not burdensome. Yeah. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Aren't you guys glad that Jesus said yes to his assignment? And he didn't try to carry someone else's assignment. And just the joy. I mean, when I think of, like, if Jesus doesn't do one more nice thing for us, we have everything today. If he doesn't answer one more of our prayers, we have everything. When we have Jesus, we have it. He is our peace. You know, Paul learned how to be content and lack and in plenty. We cannot let circumstances control us. We have to let the Holy Spirit control us. And, and yeah. So, if you guys want to stand... If you're able, if you're not, that's okay. Um, but I just feel, I just, I just feel this, like, there's this, there's, there is this response for what God is doing, and, and it's a prophetic act. I feel every time you s step out and say something, or you kneel, or you do something, it, it's a prophetic act, and it unlocks something. But I feel like there's this call to be, like, all in for the yes God has given us in this season. To not look back, to keep our eyes on Jesus. Do you know? The song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Do you know how that song was birthed? Probably many of you don't. 
I wrote about it in my last book, and it's very special because there's this woman named Lily Ostrotter, who many of you have probably never heard. She was from England, and she felt the call of God to give her life in northern Algeria for the people that didn't know Jesus. And she was a painter, anointed painter. People thought she was going to become famous doing that, but she had this call, and so she laid down something that she loved to say yes to the Lord. I'm not saying that we're called to lay down our talents, but sometimes there are seasons where God says, hey, you know, you need to trust me with everything. And God ended up raising up her art and using that later, but she gave 40 years in hiddenness in this desert place, learning the language and trying to lead people to Jesus and just loving people. And she wrote this poem, song called Focus. And focus, if you know anything about the word focus, and that's kind of the heartbeat of today. I didn't even say that in the beginning. The name of this message was focus. Focus comes from the Latin root word to mean fire. Yeah, it's crazy. Focus. So when we focus our eyes on Jesus, fire of God is in our lives. But you know magnifying glasses? You guys know magnifying glasses when you're kids? You can get the sunlight through the magnifying glass, and as it focuses, you can start a fire, a real fire. You can burn leaves if you burn ants, you know, bugs. But you can actually capture physically, naturally, and you can start a fire with the focus through a magnifying glass. So if we can do that with a magnifying glass in the natural, what would happen in the spiritual with focus? if our focus was just on the eyes of Jesus. In Azusa Street Revival, they said, we didn't have a thousand other things we wanted before God. We didn't have a thousand other things we wanted before God. What's going to happen in this generation where we have a million other things? We say, we don't have a million other things we want before you. We're saying no to a lot more things than they said no to in their generation. What happens when a generation says no to a million other things and say yes to the one thing? And so she wrote this poem called Focus. And this woman named Helen Lamel in 1911 or 12 read this and was moved by her life, moved by her story, and ended up writing a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow faintly dim in the light of his glory and grace. Can we be a people, even if it's in hiddenness, that say yes to the Lord, that our life inspires one song that for generations leads people to the face of Jesus? And so I feel like God is moving. God is moving in this time, and I feel like he wants to raise up revivalists. He wants to raise up reformers. He wants to bring us to a greater level of consecration. So up here is going to be an altar, and an altar, what happens on an altar is, is things come and die, and they burn. So it's a, not a normal invitation, but it's an invitation to come and die and come to a greater level of consecration and actually welcome the fire of God upon your life. It's a prophetic act of saying, I'm all in, like all those kids said, I'm giving you my fresh yes. This is a fresh yes, no matter what it looks like. So if you feel that's you, I'm just going to open up the altar. If you want to kneel, if you want to stand, whatever it looks like. But we're just going to welcome a fresh consecration. And the fire of God is going to come. He's going to mark you. He's going to bring a fresh ignition over some of your hearts. He's going to remind you of dreams that have been lost, robbed, or stolen. He's going to stir up a fresh hunger in you for the things of God. And so, God, we thank you for what you're doing in this community. I thank you this is not just a normal church. I thank you this is a a community uh, of those that are going to carry the fire. Let it come. Let it come. So, yeah, we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Welcome you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, come, come. God, we give you permission right now to burn, to burn, to burn in our hearts, God. We fix our eyes upon you, Jesus. We throw everything off, everything off that would hinder, everything off that would hinder. We keep our eyes on you. So Jesus, come. Jesus, come right now. Just release fresh fire over this group, God fresh fire for you, God. I pray there would be a burning, that there would be no going back. There would be no going back. There would be no going back. There would be no going back that you'd burn a new and fresh love in our hearts. God, I thank you for the price that was paid even this week when you walked to the cross, God. We lay down our agenda. 
we laid we laid we laid all down. We laid all down. And I and I just feel too, even as you're up here, to put your hopes and dreams at the altar as well. Like even the good things, I feel like it's all in. It's like you're giving everything. Whatever, even the, the promises of God, I feel like he's saying, I want you to lay it all out and the fire's going to come. And whatever is the goal for this season will emerge. But everything else that we're carrying, that we're not called to be carrying the season will go. So we just say, come. We just say, come. Fire of God, 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 come. Yeah, God, I pray for a marking, a marking, a marking, God, a marking that would take place in this room right now. A holy marking, God, of consecration. A holy marking of being set apart for you. A holy yieldedness, God. God, they're here. We're here for you. So we just ask that you would send your fire. Send your fire, God. Just like John Wesley's heart was was warmed within him, was burning inside of him. Like the, the men walking on the road to Emmaus, their hearts burned within them. God, I pray that our hearts would burn within us again. Our hearts would burn within us again for you, Jesus, God, that you bring us back to our first love, God. It's to refresh passion for you, Jesus. Thank you, God. For a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and a fresh baptism of fire yes. to be poured out. Yeah. yeah. I pray that dreams would be unlocked today. Destinies would be released today. God, as we keep our eyes on you, as we fix our eyes on you. Thank you, Jesus.